Welcome to this week's episode of Paddy Talks Golf, powered by the beautiful people in Four Golf Custom. That's Derek, Don, Jill and Christine, family-led business here in Ireland, based in Killian Castle. That's where you have got to go for your tour-level custom-fitting experience, building better golfers every day. Zero tolerance workshop. You feel the difference between getting fit in Four Golf and getting fit somewhere else. This week's episode is part two of a very special, well, I think it's very special. Um, I really enjoyed creating and putting it out there. Part two of the Karen Goff Links special. We heard all about Fiona, me and Toher a couple of days ago, uh, wherever you listen to that, or maybe you watch it on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed that one. We got some good feedback. And indeed, a couple of people have now booked to go this year. A couple of people from Ireland have decided to go and discover um, and experience Karen. For themselves and all I gotta say to those people is you can't go to Bell Mullet, not play Karen, and not jump into that Bell Mullet sea pool. This week it's part two, it's with the esteemed gentleman that is Mr. Maguire, Jerry Maguire, chairman of Eris, everything to do in Bell Mullet, and definitely at Karen Godflinks. A superb story, some great moments and memories shared, and also what they're looking to do in the future. Without any further ado, roll it there, Colette. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Brawley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Where's Joe Brawley? What do you think of that? Donald Donovan is the last quarterback. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh, holy Moses. It's all on this. Round and out How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good time, good time of the year to relax and uh, take it easy. And uh, you know, the the customers are all gone. Thanks be to God since the 31st of October, so we have a bit of a rest. Although we love seeing them coming back. No sooner are we rested, we want to get them back in. And uh, they start coming back, of course, in April, which is great and uh, livens up the place again. You know, but we were full on last year. Like we've got so busy over the last number of years. Um, sort of newfound fame, if you like, uh, you know, from 2,000 rounds to 13,500 visitor rounds, uh, an extraordinary turnaround, really. And you're flat out, really, during the summertime, and it's great. But then, of course, at the end of it, you feel you need a bit of a break. I think we all do, and the staff do, because they give their fullest throughout the year. You know? No, 100%, definitely. I Fiona was in part one. Of this, um, all gather, this yeah, pod. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, she gave us some insight into you know yeah. her experience of Karen since 2017. Before we get to Karen, though, um, Jerry, uh, I generally ask people when they come on here, What's your earliest golfing memory? Uh, my earliest golfing memory was, uh, I suppose my dad took up golf and we, we used to have a caravan down in Dunna Bay, very close to Corbless Golf Club. Uh, and I'm talking about the early 60s at that time of the year. And uh, sort of fascinated with golf. Christy O'Connor was very much in the news at that time. Um, I think he'd won the Irish uh, Open in Woodbrook, I think it was, in the mid-60s. At that stage, I suppose, uh, I was about, what age? Eight or nine. And as a 10-year-old then, I was allowed to travel to my grandmother's, which was down in Blackbird Villas in Fibsborough. And there was a park there opposite, opposite, the, um, opposite her house, and it was the main park, and then it had two off sections, smaller areas, just enough for a, probably a nine-hole putting green. And because golf was in my sort of DNA with my dad and that, 
uh, myself and my friend decided we'd dig nine holes in that little park, which was a corporation park. And uh, we opened those nine holes. And sure, every kid in the place came down with their sticks to play putting, as indeed many of the adults. But no sooner had we opened it and no sooner had it got popular, uh, the corporation overnight came in and closed all the holes. And suddenly somebody got a hold of it in the Irish press at that time, the evening press. And, of course, the story exploded, and so much so that there was a lot of controversy over the corporation closing the holes. And eventually the Lord Mayor came down to view it for himself. And he uh, went to the council then, or whatever it was, the corporation, and agreed to leave the, the nine holes open. And we perfected it. And I was the, I was the secretary at the time. My buddy Steve was a, was a, another ten year old. He was the he was the captain, and uh, we had a secretary, Eleanor. So we were very much in it. It was a very mixed club at the time. But we got onto programs like Sport and You with Brendan O'Reilly. That'll tell you now in the early sixties, and uh, Broadsheet with John O'Donoghue. Such was uh, the new. It was, it was big news at that time. But uh, so that was that, that was the start of it. Um, Obviously, football took over then, and uh, golf disappeared into the background. Other than caddying for my dad, even though I was playing football, I'd go out. He, was, he played with the, the likes of Tom Craddock, Mick Craddock, uh, Paddy Call, all those great names out on the island and uh, Malahide. And I'd go out and caddy on a Sunday morning for, not, not necessarily him all the time, because I got a few bob off the others. And uh, that was it, really. Like I played senior football then, senior football in, with Oliver Plunkett's and the Brogans. In the, in the 60s and 70s, 80s, and until I broke a leg, and then that was the end of it. I had to do something else. So golf came back onto the scene, and uh, I joined, uh, at that time, Newlands Golf Club. I was a member of Newlands for about 15 years, and then traffic problems, you know, became a, when you're just newly married. It was a sort of an eight-hour day to get over to Newlands uh, before the M50 was built. And uh, it was subsequently joined Westminster, then Connemara, Paddy Keneally, and finally landed in Cairn uh, back in 1999. So that's the history of the golf. That's the that's the golfing's resume, you might say. So you were uh, not only were you earliest memory of golf as a ten year old, but you were golf course architect and golf club chairman at, at ten. Huh? At ten, yeah, exactly, <laughs> extraordinary. Yeah. Talk, talk about coming full circle, huh? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I know it's. I mean, looking back, a fantastic. Uh, I, I wouldn't change any of it, you know. Uh, if somebody told me twenty years ago I'd be in Cairn today, I'd have said you're off your rocker and with a house in Balmullet and living almost full time. Um, it's, it's it's just you don't know what life has in front of you, you know. It's extraordinary, really. And uh, I just like, hope the next ten years are as good. And no doubt, no, no doubt they will. The the rocket ship or the train that yourself and Fiona and the current team are on. Um, a working life in Bus Aaron, Bus Aaron, right? Dublin Culminating Bus. Or oh, Dublin Bus, let's get that correct, right? There's, a, there's, there's, there's definitely a big line of difference between the two of them. Um, yeah. Culminating as HR director, managing 4,000 plus employees, trade unions. Yeah. Three and uh, I've worked at a trade union or two. Uh, yeah. They aren't the easiest. What brought you to Bell Mullet and Cairn in... I used to uh, take the retired people down to Connemara when I was a member there uh, as a sort of a, an annual get-together. And we played golf over the weekend and we had a dinner on the Friday night. And it was just a, a not to forget the pensioners uh, within Dublin Bus. 
And we used to have about 25 or 30 would go on that. And we'd have a sort of a, a big dinner on the Friday night. And uh, on this particular, I had a great friend down in Connemara. He died last year, Morgan O'Connell, uh, in his 90s indeed. And he had a great friend uh, up in Belmullet who happened to be the chairman of Karen Golflings. And he said, would you mind if I brought a friend along to the dinner tonight? So he brought Michael along and he planted him down beside me. And uh, as we chatted during the night, Michael said, you might come up and try Karen. And I said, Michael, you're having a hope of hell of getting me to Belmullet Golf Club. It's a five-hour journey to Cairn, and I'm not going near Cairn or anything else. And uh, we laughed and chatted about it, and he said, I'll give you a ring at some stage. And he kept ringing me for about three or four invitations that that year. That was in May. And eventually, I said to the wife, I said, listen, we'll have to do it once. And he had a teacher. He was was past president of the INTO, and he had a big teacher's outing in Belmullet in February of of 1999. And he said, would I come down and bring a few logo golf balls from the company and that sort of stuff and help him out with the prizes. And we went off anyway. But 10 minutes before arriving at Belmullet, I tapped the wife on the, on, the, on the knee and I said, we're never doing this journey again. Because it was a murky February night. But it was almost as if, he, as if he knew. He had a glass of whiskey waiting at the door when we arrived. And uh, we went in, a beautiful home, uh, looking over Broadhaven Bay. And his wife cooked a beautiful meal. The wine was good. Then he took me down to the local pub, which all our golfers use today, uh, or most of them certainly go there, uh, McDonald's pub, known as the Lobster Pot. Once you get in, you can't get out. And, of course, the first pint was on the house there. Couldn't, and suddenly, Ben Mullet was looking an awful lot better than when I was driving in. And when I went out the next morning and saw the golf course, I was shocked how good it was. You know, I'd heard bits and pieces about it, but really didn't take any particular notice of it but it was so so good i just i just couldn't get over it and then we start going three four five six times a year staying with michael and Anne, and uh, their hospitality was unreal but we were beginning to wear our welcome after three or four years and he reminded me when we went down for christmas that they were building houses down the road and he said you should have a look at them and we were lucky enough to be able to purchase one of those houses at the time at a lot more reasonable prices than you would have in Connemara, where we were looking for originally. And uh, we bought the house, and, and that was really it. That was my stress-free zone. Still in Dublin bus at the time. You know, Dublin bus obviously was full on with that type of job. Um, very enjoyable, I have to say. Great rapport with unions and staff. And uh, I'd never I'd never take that back at all. And um, we just... Uh, that we, we headed out on a Friday afternoon, no matter what the troubles were. And that was uh, my stress-free drone for the weekend. And I used to hate going back on a Sunday afternoon. We'd play in the club competition and the Ben Mullet Golf Club, our residence there in Cairn. And I'd play in their competition on a, on a Sunday morning, pint or two in the afternoon, and then head back to Dublin, the wife driving, of course. And, uh, yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, that we kept doing that until 2009. I had a bit of a mishap. Uh, with heart trouble in 2006, out of the blue. I never thought uh, I could have a heart problem at my, at my stage in life. I thought it was as fit as a fiddle, but I, I was a, a great smoker. I'd have smoked for Ireland at that time. You can imagine doing deals in the back of pubs with unions, etc., etc. Smoke-filled rooms. So it was, uh, it paid its price at the end, you know, but luckily enough, I came out of that without any damage. Two stents and uh, never looked back since 2006. I never looked at a cigarette since. But uh, 
Yeah, so I retired in 2009, a bit earlier than usual, but um, I put in a good shift at that stage, 35 years with the Dublin bus, uh, two or three years in the railway before that. And uh, it was a great history in our family. My dad was a train driver. My grandfather was a train driver. And my other grandfather was a guard on the Galway train. So for me to get a white-collar job in CIE and become one of the managers was a proud day for my parents, I can tell you. Um, my dad particularly, you know, they, they just, they bet me into CIE. It wasn't where I wanted to go. I worked in insurance for two or three years, which I loved up on Dawson Street in the General Axton Insurance Company. My dad arrived one day with his small Vauxhall Viva with the mother and he said, I want to see you. Um, there's exams in CIE and I said, Dad, I don't want to go to CIE. I'm happy where I am in General Axton. And he said, well, would you just do the exam? And we went off and did the exam, Irish English, and you had to do an interview in Irish, you know, which my Irish at that time mightn't have been too bad. We use it a lot now because we're in the whale to preach, and obviously when we're saying a few words, etc., we never forget the few Fogelos Gaelicans. But um, I did the exam, and of course got the exam, and they said you must. I my mother called me aside, do it for your dad, you know. So I went into CIE. And I was, you know, if you can imagine, I was working with a beautiful suit on me in Dawson Street in the General Exton Insurance Company. And my first posting was to the Point Depot in CIE, where all the, the, the goods went from there to Donegal, to Lags and Bridge End, Ballyliffin, all those places. And um, I walked down the, the docks and I said, where this was like, I don't know what it was like compared to Dawson Street, but it wasn't Dawson Street. Went into an old, a real old office from the plush I was used to. And I said, what mistake am I after making? But of course, my dad was right, as things turned out. And uh, got on great in CIE. And uh, as I say, I had a great career with them, great friends as a result. And uh, only last night, only last Thursday night, I had 26 of them. I still run the pensioners outing after leaving. And we had a great, uh, great get together again last Thursday night for Christmas, which we do every year. That's fantastic. When you when you mentioned there about buying a house in uh, Belmont, it reminds me of the conversations I'm having with my wife, and we're trying to mm. like we've um, we've Christopher's thirteen, this is his mom, and then I'm with my wife with our two girls here in Nace, and they're three and six months, right? And I'm talking about well, I like they're in a phase and there's fucking toys everywhere. <laughs> I'm trying. We're trying to gauge, you know, when they're. 10 plus my goal my, like my life goal is you know a house where i grew up in lynch right and be yeah. able to give our daughters kind of that childhood experience i had of like walking the prom with your dad and getting ice cream or racing on the beach and that type of thing so maybe and for you in belmullet like did you have kids where you is that where the kids went as well which is like what was it like having that kind of It'll be called wellness now, right? Mm. <laughs> but having that kind of retreat to go to when Monday to Friday mightn't have been the easiest. And what, what yeah. was having that kind of place to go to as a retreat like Belmont for you? What were those times like? Oh, look, I couldn't wait to get out of Dublin. I remember um, Mary O'Rourke was Minister Coming from a dove, that's very strong words. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> It was just, um, Belmont is just magic. I don't know what it is about it. 
the community spirit in Balmullet is extraordinary. Um, you know, I was in Clifton for a long time and used to go down there, but Balmullet just had something different. It was just, I don't know what it is. You fitted in very quickly. You know, they were the welcome both in the, in the golf club and, and in Karen itself and the board of directors. It was just, you, you just felt at home as if you were there all your life. I don't know what it was. And it was stress-free, and the magnificent beaches in uh, just beyond the golf course, and bordering the golf course, and nobody on them, and it was uncommercialized. And, um, there was no hotels when we went there. You know, you had to. There was the the a very old, uh, the, still there, the Western Strands fine hotel, but only seven or eight rooms. Um, so it was very hard. Uh, my buddy, who was Michael, who brought me there in the first place, and he was chairman and. That was part of the reason why the you know they were they were they were struggling badly because there was no hotels, there's no such thing as social media in those days. So how did they get their message across? So if there was no custom coming in, but to answer your question, my my three girls would have been well older at that stage. And uh, thanks for thinking that I might have kids at that at, back in ninety nine. But my eldest now is forty five, and my second girl is forty three, and I have a great grandchild. Would you believe? So they come down for weekends with the kids. My, my eldest one has four kids and my middle one is one girl. And the other girl is getting married next year in her mid-30s. So they used it for weekends with us. So Easter was always a major time to go down there. Uh, Christmas we always had in Dublin, of course, because you meet the extended family. And uh, But they come down for a week in the summer and that sort of thing. And they love it down there as well, absolutely. What was the compelling event to get involved with Tursorok Dearest Chill. That's the best Irish I can come up with now. And mm. uh and Karen. What was was this was that a lunch down the back of a bar? Was this was this something you identified as yeah, I'm getting stuck into that now? Or how did that come about? No, I think Michael would Michael would we were very we were great friends during from two thousand right up to the time I retired and I knew a lot of what was happening in Balmullet from us because he was chairman and he would use language like with me I were in serious trouble as I a community of, like not not just the golf group like as as oh, a, no, the, as golf, a the golf course but see the golf the course golf was course, set up okay. the court, golf course was set up by five four or five businessmen who okay. you know decided Belmullet needed something because there was no industry in Belmullet. So they thought if they could set up a golf course that that would bring in tourism into Belmullet and therefore create jobs and hopefully a hotel. And um, they, their foresight was brilliant, obviously. You know, the, the land was owned by 15 farmers, uh, sheep grazing. It was commonage. And uh, they went to those farmers and, and tried to buy them out. And they begged, borrow and stole, ran cake sales, got some help from Falch Ireland. Uh, and they got there in the end, which was great. You know, they set it up in '85, and they were. And then, of course, they brought in Eddie Hackett, and Eddie, I think, only did it for expenses. He was he couldn't get over the extraordinary land that's there. I mean, the landscape is is just different than anything else. It's the the, the dunes, as you know, are towering there at 150 meters, and it's just it grabs you. It's spiritual. I don't know what it is. So they had great foresight. And then, of course, it opened in 93. And during the time with Michael and we'd meet, I'd bring him up to dinners in Dublin, that type of thing. He'd say to me, you know, we're serious. We're really in serious trouble. He says, there's not enough punters coming through the door. Uh, and 
there's no manager there either, which, you know, I'm saying to myself quietly, like how they really have to change the structure. Yeah. And Michael said, as soon as you retire, going on the board. And I said, okay. I said, if I can help. Did you, did you have a choice there, Jerry? Did you, did you have a choice? No, I don't think there's any choice. You know, Michael, is, Michael is a very quiet, persuasive man, but he's an excellent guy and a great friend. Yeah. And he wasn't president of the INTO, INTO for nothing. So he, I was going to do it for him, really, I suppose. And everything I do down there, even today, is for him now and the community, with which he's very proud. And, of course, after one year, they asked me, would they, I mean, chairman's jobs are not a thing that everybody wants either, you know, particularly in golf clubs, because we all know golf clubs can be difficult places to manage. Um, but we're, 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 of course, slightly different insofar as we don't. All our, our direct members are international members. So we have the local golf club, Belmulla Golf Club, we play under license. And they're small in number. And, uh, you know, but our, from an income point of view, 99% of our income is, is, is visiting. So really, uh, all our issues are, if there are any issues, um, are international. And we don't have many of those issues. I was talking to Fiona about the the Twitter sphere of 2000 and um, and that time, I suppose, in the annals of current history and hopefully that it stays as history, right? Uh, that type of um, macroeconomic climate. But I listened back to um, the Godfrey's Journal episode of like your diary of that week and yeah. it kind of brought back a lot, of, a lot of emotion and feeling I would have had with my family in terms of like how you truly feel for how like your the people you love are are getting through that time. And I suppose it kind of shows the passion you have for Karen and Bell Mullet and that Fiona has and devotion you have to not just the, the people of the golf group, mm. but as opposed to the whole community up there. Um is there a specific I suppose memory that stands out as like when you look back now like how did I get through that? Or thanks to X, we got through that. Well, the one thing I remember is the evening we went in to tell the staff that we were letting them go. And the pale faces of the young kids, where an income is so important to them. Um, I'll never forget those faces that evening. It was, a, it was just, it wasn't about a job. It was about kids and about families and about a lack of revenue going into the household. And nobody knew how long it was going to, to last. So that's one memory of it. The other memory of it is, um, I suppose, the loneliness of the place. It was just Fiona and I working. Everybody was gone. The, uh, Fergus, the greenkeeper, was out with, with Gary, the other greenkeeper. And, like, we were after buying stuff for the shop. We hadn't a penny. Uh, we were, how were we going to pay for it? Carpet on the stairs. This was stuff that... We that had driven us to be. We were able to buy it because the No Laying Up podcast had gone out in November, and our bookings had started to rise. And suddenly, we saw this surge—not a huge surge, but surge enough to be able to do something for a clubhouse that was totally had been there was no investment in it for twenty-five years, and it wasn't. Uh, while I found it grand, it wasn't presentable, really. Um, yeah. From a from a, from a chairman's point of view, or indeed from a, from Fiona's point of view, 
I mean, you know, I come on to Fiona later. She was she's she's been the difference, you know, um, in, in appointing a general manager and to get one like Fiona, like somebody was looking down on us. But um, Tom then rang and said, "Will you do a diary?" And I did the diary, but it happened to be that week, and it, you know, I got very emotional about it because. I wouldn't be necessarily an emotional person. We had to do a lot of tough stuff in CIE and Dublin bus over the years. A lot of, I mean, the final, the final um, cost cutting program I did was about fifty million in two thousand and nine. During just prior to the recession, before I left. So, but down in Balmullet, because of the community spirit, you felt it was a big family, and you were letting down a family, and maybe even more so. Been an outsider letting down a family, even though COVID was out of our control. But you were the chairman, and I was, why can't you fix it better? No, that was never asked, but that's the way I felt. Yeah, of course. So that was that. And then Tom, I say, and but when Tom said, we did the diary anyway and sent it over to him, Tom said to me, this is powerful. He said, you really have to do this yourself on podcast. And uh, Fiona literally put the phone up to my lips, and I started reading the script I'd sent to him. Got emotional in the middle of it, and I know that went down hugely with a lot of people. But that was that was genuine emotion at the time. Um, it was time. Part of that podcast, I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. I had to stop, um, and it just has that effect on you, Bell Mullet and Karen Golflings. Uh, and then, of course, the response to it was just unreal. We came in the next morning after that was relayed, and. The amount of letters that came in and help and support, and we dropped our life memberships that time by almost 50%. And Tom, in his final thing, unprompted, said, you know, you could join Karen as a member, as a member, or I'm a life member. By our site, yeah, by the link is still there, actually. I, I, must, I yeah. must text him. And I'll yeah. tell you, you need, you need to update the link because it comes to an Arrow 404 page. But, <laughs> but, but the link is still there. So, like, yeah. Yeah. How, how we, did hadn't that... even, we hadn't got the shop online even. Fiona had to do, put the shop online quickly. And sure, friends and people that I'd met over the years, even my old boss, whom I was with the other night, 90, they all threw a few bob in, in whatever way, whether they bought a jumper or whether they bought a green fee or whatever, and suddenly we had enough money to pay for the carpet at least and, and the stuff that had come into the shop in a very short space of time. And it wasn't just about the money coming in. It was about people writing to you from all over the world saying, I'd love to help, but my kid has gone through a serious operation and I, uh, when it's all over, I'd be in touch. And, you know, those letters did more for me than, than actually the money letters. Because you could uh, render with their pain almost, but they still took time to out to, to write the letters. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Like I would have started this podcast in June. Irish Open, June 2019. Irish Open was on the hinge. So I, I tried to leverage that week <laughs> and launch this thing. And then it's like two years of this, it went fully remote. I used to rock up with a backpack and do the podcast in person. Then I had to figure out how to do it remotely and how to help people with their audio and that type of stuff. And now, now I'm doing video, but the point is we didn't get back to golf really until last year, 2022 as like a full season. Right. Yeah. So how did that feel in Cairn looking at the books we'll say in April and knowing there was going to be footfall and knowing you had come through that 
you know, 24 months, 20, 20 months of tyranny, or not tyranny, but like torrid affairs and, and tough conversations and doubt and glimmers of light and hope. How did you feel yourself and Fiona and the team will say at the start of season 2020? Well, I suppose um, the, what the podcast did was gave us great hope. And we got letters from people who, you know, very influential people who were, uh, were great supporters at the time. Um, and while we did no trading, the, the, pod, the podcast year saved us in terms of what people bought in the shop and the few life members. I think we sold around 40 to 45 life memberships. So we were grand from a financial point of view. We were, we were, we were tight, but we were able to get through it. The one thing I'd say what it all did was it improved the domestic market hugely. And of course, during 22, when, although there was, was there gaps in 22? I can't remember. That. But certainly uh, in 21, in 21, during the gaps, yeah. the, the, the Portugal guys, the guys who went to Portugal and Spain and these places couldn't travel. So what did they do? They looked up places like Cairn and they came to Cairn for weekends during you know, there might have been a three-week window when you could do something and then it would close down again. And they all learned about Karen and couldn't believe no more than I could myself when I went there in 99, how good the course was. And of course, those guys, the domestic market went up so well, so that kept us, kept us rolling. And we were delighted to improve our numbers domestically because maybe we were over-reliant on the, on the international market, you know, because, you know, if anything happens in the future, you need your domestic market equally to your to your international market, and at least have some a closer balance. Um, I don't know what it would be now at the moment. Fiona could tell you, but I'd say it's probably around you know sixty forty now, international yeah. versus domestic. And all those guys who are gone back to Portugal and Spain, they're still giving us a shout today because they want they come back for the weekend. And a lot of them, I think, also are younger golfers. You know, we've a lot more coming now in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, guys who are, you know, sort of doing well in business. Uh, they've done well early in business. And their colleagues and from college, and they meet up no more than I did with my pensioners. They're meeting up as a reunion, and they're going to Cairn, and they're having a blast in Belmullet for a couple of nights and then the clubhouse. And they're great guys to have, great guys. So that's how we got through it, really. I... No, it's 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 a great story, and it kind of tells tells us all. You know, it wasn't that long ago when we couldn't go anywhere. You know, no. two kilometer limits, not and all this jazz. You know, because uh, our daughter was born at the very start of it, like March twenty, March twenty twenty, the twenty third. You know, oh. <laughs> the country went into full lockdown when she was five days old. Like, <laughs> so uh, I was going to be in lockdown no matter what happened. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, there's a shop just inside 2K. It saved our lives here a little bit. But um, I, I see Karen as, as like one of the, the golfing meccas of Ireland, having only been there for 36 hours myself. Um, I brought a friend of mine, Owen, and I like, Owen generally is the man with the, with the camera taking pictures, or, but he started golf this year. So I, I've been bringing him around like, the, we, we live in Galeria, it's like the K clubs or the Heritage or the courses around Dublin and that time we went up with G, it was kind of like a five-day sprint of seven courses, right? And out of yeah. all of them, I says, okay, you've had pretty, like, pretty nice experience of golf in the last three months since you started. Where's the best of the ten you've played now? And he's like, Karen. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't hit the ball, 
but it's the best golf course. Do you know what I mean? So the quality of golf didn't affect his opinion of the of the course, mm. which is so often um, le- like distorts someone's opinion of a place, which says a lot about Karen and um, the biblical, you know, dunescape you're walking through. I also see Karen, like I said, like the one of the meccas of Irish golf, you know, like the Ross of Pendens and the Waterville. It's like you have to go there and experience it. But I think Karen's a bit different that people go there with like close friends or they definitely make a couple of days out of it. You're not mm-hmm. going to day trip to Belmullet, right? And uh, I think people use use the golf links as a, as a time to catch up with maybe people you mightn't hang around with um, yeah. from week to week or month to month. Is there is there a certain scenario or story you've heard or, or you've had in Karen yourself where you're like, yeah, that was that's one of the stories like that you tell at the bar when someone says, you know, you're from Belmont, what's the crack up there? Uh, God, yeah. Well, well, just to go back on the golf front, you know, you get some guys come in and they afterward and I say, how'd you get on? You know, because we spent a lot of time meeting and greeting. That's one of the things that we do. One of one or other of us are generally always there to meet the bus when it arrives and to make sure that we wave goodbye to us in the evening time. And some of them will come in from the golf and they'll say to you, you know, I say, how'd you get on it? Well, it beat me up, but he said, you know what, I don't care. It was just wonderful being out there. And I think that's the general thing with golfers out there. And they come back to be beaten up again, if if you like to use that phrase, his phrase. Um, I don't know. It's And then, of course, McDonald's pub is our 19th hole. Sure, the story's down there at night time about the snake hole, you know, the number eight uh, on the Wild Atlantic Dunes course. It's the most talked about hole in Ireland. It might be, it, it's one of the best holes, but it's not the best, I'd say, in, in Karen the 17th. You have the John Garrity story, uh, who wrote the book about ancestral links, you know, played it 18 times and still hasn't parred it. And every time he comes back to parrot, and he's playing off 10, but he just can't get his head around the 17th hole. And uh, another story I tell you about uh, Tim, we got a, back in, when was it, 2014-15, I played with a golf course designer. And he was saying how wonderful the place was. He'd never been there before. And he said, you know, about six months later, he texted me. He said, you know, you might do worse, he said, than twinning with a golf course I'm working with here in Oregon, over in the States. And uh, I brought it to the board. And he said, they, I said, look, we might as well twin with somebody. If they come here, they'll get a few free games of golf and we go there with the Saints or it'll do us no harm and uh, board agreed I wrote back to them and they said that's great and the next thing we got a uh, letter saying uh, my the, the owner of Gerhardt Golf Course in Oregon is coming over in his private jet with his marketing manager and his professional golfer and his greenkeeper and eight of them arrived and uh what a day that was and what a twinning it was. You know, we'd whiskey tasting in the bar. We presented each other with the, jer- the jerseys. And uh, at the end of it, he said to me, you know, he said, and we were all fairly jarred, I suppose, at the end of the night. And they were all trying to convince him that he had mayo noses or a mayo eyes or brown eyes of mayo. And he said to me, I might bring a, a gang over to me, he said, over in Gerhardt. Little did I know at the time he was the owner of Columbia Sportswear, Tim Boyle, who has become a great friend of Karen's. And the next morning, of course, I hadn't inertly of thinking of bringing anybody over to him, even though I said I would. But the next morning, I thought about a lovely man 
and 29 of us went over two years later and what a blast we got over there. I mean, they had the oldest links course on the Pacific Ocean. Uh, opened in 1895 and we opened in 1995. It was 100 years between us. And he just gave us four days of the most wonderful hospitality. If you think the Irish are good at hospitality, go to Tim Boyle and over in Gerhardt. I can tell you, we're not at the races at times. And um, that's been a marvellous twinning. They've been over and back to us telling us their stories and we telling them their our stories. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, no more than I, I think people come and they feel that community spirit. They feel the welcome and they don't have to, they almost know it before they get to the door, you know. I think even when Bill Murray was here, um, you know, he obviously wanted somewhere that was going to be not in the limelight. And you could see the minute he got out of the bus that day that he wasn't going to be in the limelight. That we we met him, you know, at the door, and I could see he relaxed so quickly. You know, he, he became a he lashed out the phone. Uh, he was he wasn't looking around, and we didn't have to worry about who was because people weren't worrying about him. He was yes, we all knew him, but he was treated like everybody else who came in, and just we enjoyed his company. He enjoyed ours. Some great photographs, and. Uh, yeah, he's treated the same as everybody else that comes to Cairn, and he was—he just blended in so well too with the staff. He looked after the staff so well, the caddies, all his family. You know, they're great. I mean, to be involved in anything like that is is wonderful. <coughs> Never did I think I'd be involved in anything like this. Fiona talked us through the the fleet of e buggies. I got—I think I got the first use of the use of one when I was there in September. There's uh, upgrades to the courses this winter uh, in terms of surrounds on greens and pathways. And there's yeah. a long-term plan of Cairn Village. Uh, yeah. She didn't call it that. I'm calling it that, of the colleges. So ho hopefully that goes through and that becomes a thing. I want to ask you, I think the start of the No Laying Up um, video, which is one of my favorites, um, that whole series, uh, I think you said there was green... Green fees were up 10% to 6,600 at the time they came in 2019. And I think you can obviously tell me if I'm, if I'm off, up around 13,500 or 14,000 this year, just gone 2023. In numbers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in numbers. In yeah. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. What difference does that mean to you, to Cairn, and to Belmullet, that footfall in numbers? Oh, God, it's an, an incredible feeling. You know, my first, uh, I, I became chairman in 2012. And really, it was, you could have run away. It was that bad, you know. And there was often times I felt like it. And I said, I tried to bring my experience to bear, I suppose. I said, we, we have to look at, I, I watched and looked and listened for two years. I did nothing. I let it be as bad as it was. And then I said, it was time to stop. You know, I put a plan together, a restructuring plan. We hadn't enough greenkeepers, and yet one of the first thing I did was reduce the greenkeeping staff just to cut costs and to get the place into better shape. And the one thing I needed was a good manager. So while I did the, the, the viability plan and we did the cost cutting and we did all that sort of stuff, 
and we put a little bit better shape. We got a better knowledge of the place. Um, those of us and I had a great board with me, I have to say, who stuck with it too. We set up a management team separate to the board to look after the daily operations, of which there are seven people. We meet now every four to six weeks. And, of course, the biggest thing of all was, was bringing in Fiona as the general manager. And what a general manager we got. I mean, general manager of the year 23, Fiona should be general manager of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for, for the next decade. She has She added to what I had done, hugely. I had only put in the the whole HR side of things right. I think I got it nearly right. And then she is with her financial and business background. But the rest of it, you know, she said in the beginning, she said, you know, we might have to go into receivership. It was that that touch and go. Uh, we didn't. We we worked out a plan, uh, as we do every day of the week, you know, when we meet. And um, we got through it. Uh, yeah, tough times. And then... Uh, gradually the podcast helped and then the, while COVID came then Tom Coins helped and suddenly we weren't looking over our shoulders because we had paid our bills and it was a matter of surviving then from day to day but when COVID left us our numbers really started to increase and then we were able to do extra things with the clubhouse we were able to clapped out fleet of buggies that weren't very good you know they were breaking down regularly and the doings course, you know, for elderly people who are not that fit, they do need buggies. There's no doubt about it. So we only had eight of them, and we were constantly, you know, having to say, sorry, we, they're all out today. And, and that wasn't good from a customer relations point of view. And we had to buy the bullets on that. And look, as soon as we had the money, look, the first thing we did was was get the new fleet of buggies. And we now have 18 to 20 buggies, 18 of our own and two member buggies that we use. And they're out a good bit in the summertime. So that created another issue because of the rugged terrain on the golf course. The buggy, you'd be bumped around in a buggy. You know, you'd want, if you had a bad back, like, it would be the greatest thing. So this year now, because we've been allowed to invest and because of support, uh, we are all our pathways are being done over the winter period, all, both turf and, and sandstone, whichever is appropriate without taking away the actual aesthetics of the course. And that'll be finished hopefully by the end of January. And that'll make it a much more, not just for bogeys, but for ease of walk as well with caddy cars and electric caddy cars. So that's a huge investment. Last year, we did the first TT, TT complex. Again, that was something that, you know, we had to get agreement from the board and put a case up and the board agreed and the management team. And what a job Ali McIntosh and his team did for that. I mean, that's been, we changed it's our signage. Yeah, we changed our signage. We made our signage very simple, color colored signage. Rail sleepers with the, either the white course or, or the orange course. Orange being the hackett, white being the dunes. And that has gone down very well with, her, with all our, our visiting golfers this year. They saw the difference between one year and the other. So, yeah, it's great. We don't have to think about... We're always... You never take your foot off the pedal. But we don't have to have... We don't have to look over our shoulders where the next penny is coming from that we used to have to do up to right up to 2019. And as you say, when you take two years trading out of it, it's a fantastic story. But it's, I think it's because, you know, we have a great staff, a huge staff, the girls in the shop, superb, um, Eileen, Sarah and uh, Olivia, 
And then we have two great chefs upstairs. We took back the franchise as part of that whole scene. It had been franchised out the whole restaurant and bar for 15 years. And when Fiona took over, one of the things she said was, we're not in control if we don't have the bar and restaurant. And she persuaded me at the time, even though it was against probably the wishes of accountants and everybody else, not to do it. But she was convinced that we ran a quality show on the golf course. We should have a quality show upstairs when they come in and that we're in control of quality. And uh, today it contributes to the company, which is fantastic. And it's cute, as I say, our chefs, our bar staff, the kids from college, what a team. I mean, they all do it, but they have that community spirit. It's not about we're working for our tourist heritage show. We're working for the community. And I, that's, I feel that myself. You know, like I'm voluntary because the chairman of the board cannot be paid. That's the way it is. That's the way it's structured. And uh, I do it for the community. And what it has done, there are now two hotels in Belmullet since 2004. It's the Broadhaven with 90 rooms and the Talbot with 33. Talbot Boutique, Broadhaven, excellent three-star hotel, which a lot of golfers go to both, of course. The Western Strands then, as I say, they were still very small rate rooms, but they're used. And uh, their hospitality is equally as good. So it's the hospitality within Belmullet. And it just, the amount of repeat visitors uh, from year to year domestically is huge. And that's great. You know, already this year we have Wild Atlantic Dunes Open. I'm not doing the advertising, but Wild Atlantic Dunes Open Four Ball Challenge first Monday, Tuesday of um, of July, packed out already. You know, there might be three or four spaces. Our Pro-Am in June, 36 hole, 8 9, almost, you know, just 30 teams. I looked at it yesterday. Um, our Open Pairs Champagne Four Ball in April, packed out already. We have an RNLI fundraiser, which we've given the course over to the local RNLI. That's something we couldn't have done in the past because of revenue loss. We've done that on the 6th of April, packed out already. Great value, 30 quid a person, 90 quid a team, but going to a great cause, so packed out. Our friends at Car next year, next October, 40 teams in already. We can take about 60. So... It's coming to us without, you know, we're still doing the marketing and social media and everything else, which Fiona and Sarah back in the office, fantastic. And uh, we keep, you just don't keep your foot off the pedal. And you still, today, we give the same welcome and the same, uh, say the same goodbyes and meet the same people. And we go to the pub at night and we have to say hello and have a chat with them if they're only here for a couple of days. And that's what you have to do. And that's been the hallmark, I think, of our success, along with the help, as I say, the likes of yourself, Tom, doing these podcasts, you know, I hope, you know, attract people to Ben Mullet that haven't been here before. And they'd be very welcome, of course. And we'll get the same welcome as we gave when we started out. Exactly. Whether you're Bill Murray or or whoever or, or Jamie from Clarny, you'll get the same welcome. Doesn't matter. Um I think the story you told on on the Garfield Journal podcast about, you know, getting all the emails from people, thousands and thousands. And that you didn't send the template, that yeah. it just wasn't how you operate in Cairn, that it is so, so personal, and oh, that every, everyone got an individualized response, which which says a lot about I you think, and a lot about Fiona and how you do things. I think we did 6,000. I think Fiona did most of them. I was on the phones, and Fiona's in the back office doing the emails, but I think she did 6,000 in less than two months. You, um, 
you, you did a bit of PR there on the events. I was going to go into it myself in terms of its yeah. multiple Irish PGA Championship final location. Is it on there next year as well? I'm, I I didn't check the fixture list. No, um, no. We will obviously wait for invitations for all these things, but uh, uh, the PGA haven't been on to us this year. We've done it for three, of course. That's uh, right. They might like to right. they might like to try somewhere else, um, and, are, and of course we have a great rapport with the PGA because we do have the thirty six hole pro am in June, which we've been doing for the last twenty twenty five years, and that was the reason why we held that in the first place. And I say it every time when I'm talking after it is to expose Karen so that the pros, the local pros in Ireland, went back to their own golf courses and encouraged people to come to Karen, and that was a great success from that point of view. So we have a great. Uh, a greater power with Connor and uh, Yvonne and John, and, and, and they're just they're great people to work with. Um, so what happens next year? I don't know. And um, I know the pro am is on. They, we've had a great three years, and of course, one of the the reasons why we were able to hold the PGA was because of Columbia Sportswear. And when I rang Tim Boyle initially, would he do the sponsorship of it? He was delighted. I was a bit reluctant the second time to go back to him, and he was. Absolutely sincere, sincere about love to do it again for you. If it's in his words, he said, if it's for, going to do something for Karen, I'm absolutely pleased to do it. So when I went That's back to third year, I was certainly, you know, chancing it, but knowing the man he was, he was just happy. He said, a three piece, which they call it over there. Uh, he said, delighted to do it. Let me know what you need. And that was it. And they brought wonderful apparel, Columbia apparel, and all the pros got. A lovely uh, GLA jacket out of it. And indeed, as many of the supporters on that, and indeed, some of the, the people who came to watch. So, very, very generous sponsorship, very generous man. And Columbia, as we know, is really a great brand now. The great shop in Trinity Street in Dublin, and all going well in Ireland for them. And so, yeah, great partnership, great partnership. You know, we'd be going back there, I think, in uh, 2025. Fantastic. You've a lot to look forward to next year between the pro am, uh, your own international members' week. Uh, for f- that's that looks like five days. I want to sneak in on other events. Tour operators run their events. The Quack Gang go annually. Um, yeah. The developments in the course. But wh- what outside of all those things and meeting all those people and the return visitors and new visitors? What are you most looking forward to in twenty twenty four, Jerry? Well, I just hope in 2024 that we can give our customers and our visitors the same attention that they got last year. I'd be very interested to see and for them to see all the great changes that we've made now over this winter um, because we try to do something year on year incrementally as money comes in to improve the standard. We'd love to be in the top five in Ireland at some stage, so there's a lot more work to be done, but we're getting there. Um, so look, I look forward to the meet and greet of all the people that come. Um, as I said, it can be Bill Murray or you can be whatever. We'll give you the same greet, meet and greet. That's, that's what I do. I was in HR. I always loved PR and I got the chance to do the PR side in Kern. And by God, have I got it in spades and the friendships you meet and the new friendships that I meet and the invitations we get. And, you know, we start off the PGA show in February, in January, where we go over there and we meet the people that we talk to on the phone. That's a wonderful week, um, face to face rather than the phone. 
we meet people in New York that are big, great supporters of Kern who love to know what it's all about, what we're doing. And they're passionate about it, even though they're over there. And they can't wait to get back to see what the changes we've done. So it's great to be able to bring them around and, you know, show the changes, listen to their views. And we do take the views in, of course, of all our customers and try and improve if they think it's worthwhile and we think it's worthwhile to do something, we do that. So um, I hope the success continues. Um, as I say, we have a great board. Um, I hope the community even gets more established uh, in terms of support they get from Karen. I think the one thing I'd like to see, if you're asking me a direct question, I would like to see huge progress on the village and the 10 um, links cottages. I think that's a must for Karen. It's all our, all our overseas members say that'll be our game changer. And uh, I know Fiona is, is of the same mind as myself. And we're really pushing hard on that. We have a very good architects. We, the, the, the cottages themselves look absolutely amazing. Very modern, uh, up to today's standards. And if we get that right, I think that'll be a huge, you know, huge opener for Karen for more business. Because the hotels, two hotels is insufficient for Belmont. It's got so popular now. Uh, one of the hotels is very busy with weddings at the weekend. So accommodation is an issue. And um, as I say, we've great supporters who would love one of the cottages. And uh, I don't think there'd be a hard sell at the end of the day. So I think we'll get, that's the main thing we should get to, we should do that. And uh, we get that up and running, I think, by the end of the year, get planning permission through. That'd be a great job done. Fantastic. You you can put my name into that for for one of those timeshares anyway. That's a fact. Uh, <laughs> what, um, what question does Jerry Maguire not get asked? What question does not get Jerry Maguire get asked? Um, why does he do it? Why does he do it? <laughs> why do you do it, Jerry? I don't know. I suppose I retired when I was 57. And, uh, you know, anybody who retires, at least I wouldn't be one for sitting around. Um, I would need something to do. Uh, it was a great opportunity to help out, uh, bring my experience to. And, you know, I have friends today who are older than I am with Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, guys who I knew all my life, very sad to see it. And, you know, I'm a great believer in keep going as long as you can. And if it's a, in a voluntary situation or, or in a paid situation, keep going because keep the mind alert. I think that's possibly one of the ways to to avoid, you know, that type of illness, which is shocking for some families when you see what's going on. And I'm a, my, my daughter's father-in-law, who I worked with in the same boat at the moment, and, you know, sad. So I'm going to keep going as long as I can, as long as I'm allowed to at home as well, of course, because it's a big commitment. I mean, I think, I remember saying to Fiona when she came, would you come in and do two or three days a week uh, in the beginning when I was doing five? And I think from the, from the day she started, she's doing a nine-day week. And it's huge commitment, but you have to have that huge commitment to make it work. And we both, I suppose, feed off one another. She does all the work, and I do maybe. She does the background stuff and does a great job in it. And 
helps out in the meet and greet and I do more of the meet and greet and do the HR side of stuff. And we just train together. It works very well and we have the support of the management team and the board. Long may that continue. Long may that continue. Jerry and Fiona, holder of the keys of the machine that is Can Golf Links. Are you ready for your quick fire Q&A to round off this episode? Try it, try it, try it, yeah. I'd, I'd be very interested to see uh, that's the first question. Let's go. What would your walk-on song be? My walk-on song. God. It could be what you sing in the shower. It could be... It could be... Molly Malone. Molly Malone. By who? Who who do you prefer to sing that one now? The Dubliners. The Dubliners. I was quite, I was wondering. I was wondering if we get anybody outside of the pale to sing yeah. that one for you. Well, um, Dublin man living in Belmullet, you know yourself. <laughs> uh, which is your preference, gym or pizza? Uh, today, pizza, the past gym. <laughs> Good man. I might change that to the current special, the, the sea pool or pizza. Huh? I'm a big See, fan of that sea pool you have. Uh, the sea pool was, I, I, swam for, I swam a lot in my early days, played water polo, and I'll always remember Black Rock Bats, and I'd get into yeah. Black Rock Bats. And I'd be freezing outside uh, with my coat on on an August evening and the mist coming in. And I had to get into water and play in goal for 20-odd minutes in National League. And it turned me against cold water. So the tidal pool is brilliant. Everybody loves it, but a Jerry Maguire doesn't. <laughs> Without a wetsuit, that's, anyway. That's a pizza day for Jerry. Uh, yeah, the exactly. ski pool days. Hat, visor, or bucket hat? Uh, bucket hat. Happy Gilmore or Tin Cup? Happy Gilmore. Walk or cart? Uh, walk. Now, Fiona, didn't, Fiona said no to the next question because she has long hair, right? Yeah. So we might get the same answer to you, we might not. Golf hoodies, yes or no? No. Instagram or Twitter? Either. Play or practice? Play. Thank you very much, Jerry. The last question is kind of hypothetical, and I'd be interested to see if there's other Dublin greats show up at the table. We'll say where the scenario is: we you've launched, you've launched Cairn Cottages, the village. They're launched. They're opening, and it's a celebratory night for you and whoever you like. Six people at the table. You're at the top of the table. You're three people down the left, three people down the right. Who's at Jerry's candlelit dinner? Oh. They can be real people, fake people, movie people, dead people, whoever you like. Uh, anybody in the world. Anybody in the world. Tiger Woods, e Park Harrington, uh, Des Smith. Very nice. Pardick's a Fiona's um, as well. So you have something well, in common. Well, 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 something right, else well. in common. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know whether she told you or not, but I won a pair of shoes. She did, it's a great story. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to frame them. So I gave them to her. She's... She hasn't put them in the frame yet, but she she has them. And uh, yeah, I just Parry was great. And Des Smith in his day was fantastic. I used to love following Des Smith. And it'd be three different eras, you know, together on one side of the table. On the other side, 100%. Um, Bill Murray, maybe. Uh, Tom Coyne. And John Garrity. Because they have been so fantastic to Karen. 
Fantastic. Jerry, thank you very much for your time. Really insightful. Thanks for sharing the stories and sharing um, what's to come. And looking forward to getting back up um, ASAP to to bed for a sea swim and an 18 holes. (laughs) Look forward to that. We'll have a great day. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Paddy. Thanks a million. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Jerry Maguire. Great to hear stories of what the difference is between doing things at a corporate level and CIE perhaps in Dublin bus and how that reflects in tougher times in a more personal, you know, friendly, small environment uh, in those tough times they had to go to during COVID-19 at Karen Gofflings. And wasn't it great to hear that the golf, the global golf community, both in Ireland and internationally came together. And that's why Karen is still here for us to share with each other and to experience with our friends and loved ones and family. I fingers, I have my fingers crossed. I have my fingers crossed that those Cairn colleges do come to fruition. Fingers crossed the old Mayo County Council um, passed that planning permission because that is definitely something that I would love to go and experience with my friends, my family and my loved ones. And uh, not only a golfing experience, but a Ben Mullet and Eris Head um, and coastline experience. And there's something for everyone up there. If you like the show, please do share it with your family and friends. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. If you want to watch more, hit that subscribe button. You have to say these things, but it really does help share the show, share the reach, and in turn, share the stories that I'm trying to showcase here on this little platform of mine that I'm sharing with you. If you did like it, if you leave reviews, if that's your thing, please do so. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform like Acast, Spotify, Apple, one of those places, maybe even Google, maybe even Beansprout, is it on there? I don't know. But like it and leave a review. Leave the old five stars. Go all in 2024. If something like improving golf is up your alley, improving your own game, um, it's something I'm trying to do, something I'm trying to share what I'm doing. Uh, I'm calling it the Beyond Scratch Project. If that's something you're keen to follow, follow me on Instagram at PolytalkGolf. There'll be the odd video here on YouTube or the odd update on a podcast platform. But last time, thanks for pressing play this week. If you're over in the PGA show, I hope you've learned a bit more about Karen, or maybe it's reinvigorated some memories you even had there yourself. Safe travels if you are over there in Florida, safe travels home or safe travels back to where you've come from. But there's more stories to be shared next week. Matt Janella, one of my favorite people in golf, came on the show. And that's next week's podcast. Until we tee up again soon, I'm Paddy. Paddy.